welcome to the Stay at Home Schooling Mom podcast. I'm Ginny Sufert, and I'm joined by my good buddy, Mary Ellen Barrett. We have a terrific topic for you today, especially you moms as you're getting ready for your new homeschool year. But before that, I'd like to thank our primary sponsor, which is Seton Home Study School. You can find out more information about the Premier Catholic Home Study courses by getting on their website, www.seatonhome.org. And also, Mary Ellen and I can tell you we are, well, somewhat surprised and absolutely thrilled at the reception our podcasts have received. Yeah. Grateful, too. Really grateful. Very grateful. We (laughs) really are grateful. Uh, So if you like this podcast, if you think it would be helpful to others, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and share it with your buddies, especially those that are either homeschooling or are thinking about making the big switch, which more and more people every day, Mary Ellen. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of exciting in a way that the home, the Catholic homeschool movement has grown so much. I was just preparing for the Seton graduation. I'm writing a little speech. And the first one was in 2007, and there were 35 graduates. And this one is going to have 176 graduates from all over the world, all Isn't over the world. Like, I think I heard somebody's coming in from Philippines, right? One, we have one student from the Philippines. We have one from Qatar. Oh, um, wow. We have a bunch from Canada. We have um, in South America, a couple of countries are going to be represented. It's really exciting. And this is, I mean, when you think of the growth, even in just the last few years with COVID, so many people started and then just stuck with it because yeah. they realized the benefits of it. So I, I find it really exciting. I really do. I do too. I do too. But anyhow, so please like and subscribe us. Give us that wonderful five-star rating that we would very much appreciate. And now, Mary Ellen, maybe you can introduce today's topic, which I think will be very timely in the summer. Yeah, it's we've called it Getting Your Ducks in a Row in Five Easy Steps. And that is to say, getting ready for the new homeschool year, getting yourself all kind of set up for success. Um, it's It's really important to be prepared, right? I mean, you don't, you don't just wake up one morning and say, I'm homeschooling and just do it. You need to, you need to have <laughs> a little focus. Let's <laughs> just do a podcast. Why don't? <laughs> right. Like we did. Don't do what we did. <laughs> but it's, it's true though. Uh, in business, they say failing to plan is planning to fail. Right. And I, I think that's a really, uh, a really good point. So we've kind of broken it down to five easy steps. And the first one is the one that I think people give an awful lot of time and attention to. And it might not be the most important, to be quite frank, even though we just you know raved about Seton Home Study School. Um, first one is you got to pick your curriculum. Right. Now's the time to order. Um, if you like what you had last year, stick with it. Right. Yeah. Oh, my word. Do not go chasing after some shiny... I call them curriculum magpies. Those ladies who change it like constantly <laughs> are just always like, oh, that's a new thing. Oh, this is pretty. Oh, this is easy. It's so difficult. It just makes your life harder. It really does. It does because what ha- So by the time I finished using Seton, I started in 88. And I don't know, I finished like in 20 years later or something. I don't remember with my last child. And by the time I barely looked at the lesson plan sometimes. Right, because you you just had your groove. You knew what you were doing. I memorized them. I was really, really good at Seton. Mm -hmm. Now, is that to say that she couldn't maybe have gotten something better? Some I don't know. I I never investigated it because Seton was was meeting our needs in every way. Right. So if you have something that is meeting your needs and you're familiar with it and your kid is familiar with it and you're all happy with it, oh, for Pete's sake, don't listen to 
the shiny, yeah. sparkly new thing online. And really if there's does. there's something that you found, so you you like your curriculum, you're you know eighty percent satisfied with it, and there's something in there that just drives you crazy. Just work around that specific thing. You know, you right. don't chuck out the baby with the bathwater. You adjust, and every single curriculum you're going to have to adjust, no matter yeah. what method you choose, no matter what. Um, you know, if it's a box set or if you're pulling together your own, you're going to have to adjust because there's no such thing as perfection. It's not going to work out perfectly and not everybody's going to like it every day. You know, by and large, kids don't like doing schoolwork and they're going to complain about it Hard at some believe. point. Hard. And that, that's a big thing when you get a child who's a reluctant learner. Hmm. And I think parents tend to think, well, if only I get another program or another textbook or another workbook. Oh, he'll just love that. No, he probably won't. He might <laughs> not. Yeah. I mean, it might not be the product you're using. It might just be the kid. You know, it might be if it's not some kind of learning disability, it just might be that, you know, he's he's infected with eight year old boy and doesn't want to sit down and do it. I know I often <laughs> say ADHD is really B.O.Y. Yeah. Um, right. Or but your 12 year old girls can be a little bit, you know, of a pain oh in my the neck, word. too. Well, don't, let's not talk about 12 year old girls. I'm just still recovering. <laughs> We're all in recovery from We're teenage girls. From girls but the thing with, so what you could do, say, let's just say math, for example, with a boy. My son just hated having to fill in all those, you know, addition and subtraction facts that drove him nuts. Those so many problems on each page. Okay. I get it. And yeah. for one thing, little boys have trouble forming their letters. Sometimes they do the letters backwards. You make them rewrite it. They don't have the small motor coordination very often but they still need to learn their arithmetic facts. Right. And they need to learn them well. So take the book that you have and you can absolutely work with it and say, you know, draw a line down the center of the page. Tell you what, you do the first four lines and you don't make any mistakes. You can skip the rest of the page. Right. I did that all the time. And it just it motivated them to finish really quickly. A lot of people do evens and odds, but I found that if you just had them do like half a page or a couple of lines, they were motivated to do it quickly because evens or odds, they're still doing the whole page. It's a visual right. thing. They're still doing the same amount of problems. But if they feel like they're getting away with something. They see the whole page. <laughs> right. They panic, they panic when they see the page. They don't even have to do the problems yet. Right. Another thing that I did uh, with my kids, especially again, boys, uh, who lack that small motor coordination and, and writing is very laborious for them, I said, tell you what, you give me the answer and I'll write it. Oh, yeah, I did that, too. Just to save the the torture, because if yeah. you're doing a math lesson, you're not focused on handwriting, right? That's right. for handwriting. Or maybe maybe um, when you're writing essays, you pay attention to that. But math is about learning math. So it's fine for mom to write it in or have them do it orally or something like that. Oh, and you use the book. Card. Yeah, flashcards, all that kind of. And we've talked about that a million times. Just don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, right. work with yeah. what you have and what you're familiar with, because it just it lightens your load a lot. And moms, you got a big load, right? You do, especially if you have more than one kid. You yeah. have to constantly be looking to see, well, how does how does this book or this program, you know, address this and learn a whole new set of lesson plans and a whole new set of expectations that can be really, really tough. So if you ha if you're happy with what you have, more or less, stick yeah. with it. On the other hand. If you're absolutely miserable, and I've seen this, we're a, we're a Catholic podcast here. Uh, sometimes moms will get some of the Christian books. Christians were way ahead of us in homeschooling. Yeah, yeah, they were. A long time before we were. And some of their books are beautiful and really very excellent. Yes. However, I have seen moms who say, oh, wow, they hit fourth grade and it got kind of anti-Catholic. 
Right. Yeah, that happens in quite a few programs, which is a shame. Um, but that's that's their thing. And and so I personally would not give money to an anti-Catholic company. I wouldn't either. <laughs> but if you started with them, you thought, wow, they're really terrific. And now you hit fourth grade. And they're, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I don't want to have to explain. And some moms will say, well, it's almost apologetics. I'm teaching them. I'm teaching them, you know, why these the, 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 what they're saying is wrong and why Catholics are right. Well, fine. If you want to do that, go right ahead. But if you have, you know, five kids that you're homeschooling, it's a lot of work. It's an it's awful cool. lot of work. Whereas and you can just get a nice Catholic apologetics lesson. class right. and not think about it. You yeah. don't want to, have to turn every history lesson into an apologetics lesson. You really yeah. don't. So if something clearly is not working, I gave that example, but there could be loads of examples. Sure. It sure. could just be that the your kid has a visual issue and the, the the font is very small in the book or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it can be that just that practical. If something is clearly not working, you know, by all means, look for something else. What not to do is to get on like one of the Facebook pages for homeschooling moms and oh. say, I need a new third grade math book. What do you all suggest? Wise mamas. <laughs> First of all, you don't know if they're wise. You don't know these people. They're strangers. And second of all, you will get 10,462 <laughs> different <laughs> suggestions. Oh, it's just so painful. Um, there's another lady who who goes on the Seton, Seton groups, the Facebook groups with me. Um, and she's just wonderful. She knows the program backward and forward, and she can give the best advice. And she is just terrific. Her name is Laura. She is excellent. Yes. And then the two of us will like. DM each other because it's this time of year. Everybody, I mean, 30 times a day, which math program should we use? And it's like, oh, because <laughs> no. every, every time there's just a hundred answers. And really yeah. it depends on the kid. Like I can't tell you what to do for your kid. I don't know your kid. And so it's just, it's painful. And one of the <laughs> things you might want to do is talk to people that you actually know who homeschool. Yeah, yeah. And you admire the way they're doing it. Uh, and maybe you can actually look at the books, not just ask for online advice. But I know my my one daughter-in-law homeschooled and she used Singapore math. Mm. And she used it very, very well. In fact, her oldest son got a perfect 800 on his math SAT. Wow. Yeah, so that worked for them. Well, but clearly there was also a little bit of math ability there. Yeah, yeah, Well, which helps. You can, yeah, I mean, having a math mind helps you choose what program to use. Right, too. And, and in her case, it was terrific. And if somebody said to me, gee, you know, my kid seems to be really gifted in math, what math program should I use? I'd probably give them my, my daughter-in-law's number. Right. Don't ask me because I barely made it through. <laughs> <laughs> ask, so, ask somebody who you know. Right. Who you, you know, her little boy is so wild too. I wonder what she's doing. Yeah, that's smart advice. And and you can also look at tables of contents and, and sample pages online. Um, if there's a local homeschool uh, conference coming up, try to get to it because it is worth it to see books. It is worth the travel. And, Absolutely. Yeah, to, to be able to thumb through some things. I know they are starting to come back, those conferences. But certainly ask people to show you. I mean, their books are all finished up now. At this time of year, most people are finishing up. Ask if you can just have the old math book before they throw it out. And right. take a look at it and see how the, the yeah, thing. see how the kid managed through it. Um, these are all good things to do. And it, also when you're doing that, you're developing community because you're connecting with other homeschool moms who are in the trenches with you. Yeah. And that's an, that's always a good thing. That's a good point. So anyhow, well, I guess what our message here, you know, step duck, duck one in a row, pick your <laughs> curriculum, but don't obsess over it. No. Yeah, don't, don't obsess. obsess over it. 
just yeah. do the best you can. Then the second one is very much connected to the first, first duck and second duck are, are connected. Order your material now. I'm hoping this is going to drop in June. And yeah. uh, June or July. Order in June or July. Can I repeat that? Order <laughs> in June or July. She feels strongly about this, people. <laughs> I, I work for Seton. I've worked for Seton for 20 years now. Most of the time, I have nothing to do with ordering books. But Mary Ellen and I both had to do live chat during the whole COVID thing when everybody on earth decided to homeschool. Mm -hmm. oh, and gosh. when there's a rush, you're just simply not going to get the same service. And Seton prides themselves on service. I'm sure all the rest of the homeschool yeah. studies schools you know, pride themselves on Yeah, I've never heard anything bad about any of the major curriculum well, I haven't done providers it, with service. Coming in in an hour. Yeah, then then it's just going to, I mean, there might end up being little mistakes or you're not going to get somebody to call you back right away if you have a question. And it's just, the earlier you order, the better off you are. And then yeah. you you have time to look through everything and kind of absorb what you're going to be doing. You can plan a little bit. Yeah, no kidding. You don't want to get the books, you know, August 29th when you're going to start on August 30th. Right. Or worse, you get them on August 29th and you're going to start on August 28th. That's a <laughs> big possibility here. So don't wait until August. And the, the reason I am saying this, by the way, is not only because I work for Seton, but because I waited till August several years. <laughs> no, and you're, and you're, yeah, you're floundering a little bit because you feel rushed. And if you get things in June or July, you have time to flip through all your lesson plans. Or if you're writing your own lesson plans, you have time to do that. You have time to maybe plan a few field trips and coordinate things. It's just much more relaxed. And that is always better. It's really, really good advice. I know it sounds, but don't wait until August. Yeah, don't. Just don't, just don't do it. Unless you're so poor that you... <laughs> You have to wait for that check to come in or something. Don't do it. Just don't. Yeah, I agree. So pick your curriculum, order it, not know up before August. And then the third duck in a row is think about where you're going to teach. Yeah, like physically and where in the house, right? Like yep. what how you're gonna make this convenient for you and and orderly and workable, all those things. And some people for years I had I I had a big home and I actually had a little classroom. Yeah. And I, I bought used desks from, from the public school and we had bookshelves and the, the kids had a place in their desk that they could put their books, that sort of stuff. And that's nice if you have it, but it's not necessary really, not even always desirable. Uh, your dining room is fine. Oh yeah. I, we, we had the, the little classroom when I first started in the basement, which was nice because I had babies, you know, so I could corral everybody in the same room. And right. it was very baby proofed. And, and that was that just made things a little bit easier. But as they get older, they wanted to spread out more. So we had to move to the dining room, which is a shame, actually, Jenny, because from running up and down those basement stairs, I was as skinny as a rail. And then we put me right next to the refrigerator. Right. <laughs> and it all went downhill from there. All went downhill after that. <laughs> no, a classroom is a really great thing to have, but your dining room is fine too. And think about this a little bit. Like last year, for example, your toddlers drove you nuts. <laughs> so now think about, is there any way you can put a picnic table outside where the toddlers can be playing on the swings and on you know the sandbox and all that sort of stuff in your fenced in yard right? and not driving you crazy? Right. Yeah. I We have a deck so I could close off the deck because it had gates and I could put the babies out there with a bunch of toys or I could put the kids that we called a deck school. I could put the kids out on the, the table on the deck and they would do their work out there and I would be in with the babies kind of keeping an eye on everybody. Yeah. So but give that some thought. So, for example, if you have a deck, maybe you want to add some gates. Hmm. 
Yeah. If you, if you don't have gates on your deck now, think about that. Is that Would that be a smart thing to do? Uh, sometimes they have those, um, please don't send us nasty notes, but they have those, those corrals that you can put in your yard that the kids oh, can yeah. play in safely. The white that's like fence idea. gate things. Yeah, yeah that's, that can be a really, I know people are going to say you're locking kids up, but I don't mean that. <laughs> Just want to keep them safe. You can put toys in there safety. and snacks. Yeah, it's for their you can safety. You put toys and snacks in there too. It's but like a playpen yeah. is for their safety and it's cozy. Yeah. <laughs> People just don't like that. I don't know why. But certainly for the warm weather months, which is most of the country has warm weather and then cold, it's, it's, real, it's nice to work outside. You hear it the birds. You get a breeze. It's, it is. it's nice. just pleasant. And it's a it's a change of pace, too. Um, I'm a big advocate of making your house work for you and the life you're living now. Um, I, I don't like it when people feel like they have to have their dining room or their this or their that um, be a showpiece when you don't when you use it on Christmas and Easter. But then right. you're all crammed in somewhere else. Make it work you for you now. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter what your neighbors think or your sister-in-law or a real estate agent, unless you're moving. Make it. I I met this lady once. She had this huge coat closet, you know, where you walk into the house right there. And so she put the coats all in the kids' rooms and had her husband build it out as a homeschool closet, which would drive a lot of people crazy. But it was so, I thought it was the smartest thing in the world. I mean, she was using her house the way it worked best for her. So when you think about where you're going to homeschool, don't think about, Oh, I'm, I have a dining room and then I'm going to throw some books on the table. Is there a place where you could put cubbies or a bookshelf or hang a map or anything like that? It's your house. Make it work for you. Right. And you're not, unless you're selling it this week, as Mary Ellen says, who cares? Right. Well, who yeah. cares? You can take the map down off the wall, a little bit of spackle, and you'll be able to fix the, <laughs> fix the nail. It'll yeah. be just fine. Uh, now, some of you, and this is kind of a new problem, but I think it's becoming more and more common as husbands are working from home now. Oh yeah, mine never leaves. <laughs> he's here all the time. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for you. He's, he's a, and it's nice. It's very nice, but it oh, can, I don't know. <laughs> well, I did find out all the things that I'm doing incorrectly. <laughs> I bet. Well, There's a little it. tension there for a little while, but a lot um, more work with men are around for some it reason. It is a little bit more work. I have to say, he's a good guy, and he's he tries to be helpful, but mostly I I would just, you know, don't help me. <laughs> just don't. I used to joke me. about when my my husband traveled a lot for business, and like the kids were thrilled if you gave them pancakes for dinner. Yeah, yeah. You never do that with your husband home. So. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you can't. Husbands more and more are working from home. And that that's that's an issue because the kids are run, you have five kids and the kids are running around and they're loud. Um, so think about places where you could maybe homeschool that get them out of the house at least for a couple hours. Yeah. And one libraries, well, not in June, don't go in June, but other months of the year, you can go to public libraries and uh very often they have study rooms. Oh, During yeah. the day, nobody's there. Yeah, we, we do that all the time. There. Yeah, we do that all. And ours does have study rooms and quiet areas. And they have toy corners sometimes, like Legos for ki- little kids to play yeah. with. So libraries is something to think about or parks. Uh, but, you know, plan. I mean, plan ahead for that. Instead of having your classroom right next to where your husband works, right next to his room, where he's going to be complaining all day or coming out. Shh, tell the kids they have to be quiet. I'm on a Zoom call. And yeah. you're supposed to be sitting there keeping five <laughs> kids quiet. 
It's just not going to work. We were, we were away somewhere once. I had little ones. They were, I only had a, four or five of them at the time. And they, so we're in a hotel room and he had to go on a conference call and he says, can you just keep them quiet? And I said, no, oh, no <laughs> I absolutely cannot do that. I am not a miracle worker. And <laughs> so being home with everybody all the time, it has required some coordination. Like even now recording, I have to do it on a day where he's back in the city because some he goes in once or twice a week or out seeing a a client and then the kids have to work out when they can use the computer and when you know it it requires a little bit of finagling so having saying plan ahead though if you know it if you know he's going to be home don't all of a sudden realize on september 5th when he comes out and tells you you have to keep the kids silent for the next (laughs) hour and a half (laughs) because it's not going to work you know it's not going to work so So think about that. Find your places where you can go. We used to go to, um, there are a couple of parks. There's an old Gold Coast mansion here on the North Shore of Long Island that has a museum and has beautiful gardens and you can go and sit. So we would all meet there with the other homeschoolers to do some things. Um, If you plan ahead, like your little escape routes, um, it it just helps. So if if something does come up where he says, oh, I have this unexpected meeting, you say, all right, kids, let's pack it all up and we'll go here, there, everywhere. You know, it does help to have a plan. It does it's a plan it because if you know what's going to happen, if you know your husband might be home, if you know he might be taking calls and he expects you to keep five kids quiet, <laughs> yeah. you know, have a plan. And then the last thing I would say is sort of organize. And this is something like Mary Ellen said before, you just can't put like a pile of books on the dining room table and that's our home school. Mm. Yeah, you need a place a for everything. It'll make you crazy. If if there isn't yeah. like a system and some people kind of buck against the idea of a system because they're very, um, I don't know, they they don't like to plan ahead too much or they don't like to, you know, those kind of extroverted, I'm out of the house all the time, fly by night kind of people. The, the kids to follow their interests and just reach right. that thing that. But it will make you crazy. It might make your husband crazy. Um, that, that, what did that, um that uh, fly lady would say it was chaos can't have anyone over syndrome because yeah, right. there's this is junk all over the house so if you have even a little space you know a few drawers or a few shelves or uh, you know you can I get milk crates you know anything. the milk crates that you can buy you can go to a go to a home um office depot type place yeah. you know one of those office supply places and they they sell all different types of things you could keep, your kids could keep their books and backpacks if you travel around a lot if you do go to use backpacks use those milk crates, have cubbies somewhere, yeah. have shelves, but have my do- my daughter-in-law homeschools in her dining room and she has a dining room set, like, you know, the, the break front and, and all yeah. that stuff. And the bottom things where you're supposed to be keeping big dishes, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, what but she puts her Those books, books. Each smart. kid has, has their own. So that would be the first thing. But also there is nothing more frustrating than you want to start algebra and you can't find the protractor. Or the or or yeah. the compass. Oh, it or can set your whole head. day off. I and mean, that's it. You may as well go the back to pens. bed. I know it's, <laughs> it's the just the frustrating worst. thing. Or or we don't know where the sharpener is, and we have ten broken pencils. Yeah, yeah. It's just that's maddening. And for me, for somebody like me who likes order, that would drive me insane. And it happened. Me too. And well, I had to learn. That was one of the things I would say I learned early on was I had to have a method because schools are not just books. They're pens, they're pencils, they're protractors, they're compasses, yeah. they're colors. There's colored a lot pens, of stuff that comes with it. There is. And, and you have to have some system. Now, I don't care if it's the free cups at the insurance agent. In your town <laughs> right. That works. That yeah, works. <laughs> put the pencils on that. That's fine. It doesn't matter. 
but you have to have some sort of plan. We're down to, um, because I I only have the three and they're older now. One of those little rolly carts, I got it at Ikea. I think it was 40 bucks. And just like that, I have some mason jars or some plastic cups. And that's where the pens and pencils, the protractor, the the compass thing, all that stuff that they need, the calculators. Yeah. Any of that kind of stuff that's school related goes in that. And it's in the dining room. And I can wheel it out, you know, for having company. It's not the prettiest thing in the world. So I can wheel it out and tuck it away somewhere. Um, right. And it's very easy. One year we we were doing construction in the house and it, oh it was such a mess so I oh, bought them each. I'm um, so sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. You know those uh, like tote bags from Lands End or LL Bean, one of those things. Mm-hmm. Each kid got a color and we put the books and all their stuff in there, and so we could carry it around depending on which room was under construction at the moment because yeah. it was in the winter and we couldn't really go outside. So and then if we went to the library, you just pick up your tote bags. So I mean, think outside the box. It doesn't have to be. Um, like something you've seen on Pinterest. As a matter right. of fact, it probably shouldn't be because I don't think, think, something <laughs> I don't think any Nobody of those people actually, have ever had a kid. Those are aliens <laughs> that are coming down to make us all feel frustrated. <laughs> They're not real people. So the true. other just real quick tip with this one, when we talk about how you organize your stuff, uh, buy your stuff. That I will say, buy your stuff in July and August. Oh, because yeah. if you go to these big like Walmart type stores, they're selling pencils for, I mean, they're getting you in there to buy this stuff so that you'll buy other things. That's right. fine. It's loss leaders. But you can get, you know, notebooks for next to nothing. You can yeah, get. Yeah, they're 25 cents for the spiral notebooks and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And pencils and are dirt cheap. And buy more but, than you need because they're going to lose it. <laughs> I'm yeah, just absolutely. telling you right now, buy more than you think you need. You're, they're going to lose it. <laughs> and, and there's nothing more frustrating. Like for math, we used Saxon math, which the kids have to write out. And somebody gave me the hint years ago, and it was the best hint they ever gave me. We used quadril paper. Some people call it graph paper. Graph paper, yeah. Graph paper. A little square math, thing. it's good. Yeah. Oh, my word. Well, lines everything up really neatly. It was one. But you don't want it. They're not that easy to find. No, that it's not the common up. thing. You have to go looking. But you can usually get them in August. Yeah. Staples. So one buy of those, extra. Like, kind of places. Buy extra. Yeah. Don't buy Always buy more than you think you're going to need because buy some extra. it just disappears. It's like that single sock thing. Yeah, <laughs> It just disappears. <laughs> well, I think um, we should probably take a little break here and acknowledge our wonderful sponsors. Um, Seton is our primary sponsor, and um, they provide us with so much stuff here, including our our producer, Jason, and, and our social media, and, and Allison, and Jim Shanley does our, our podcast notes, and we're really grateful to them. But um, we do have other sponsors, and we are equally grateful to those people. So I'm going to ask you to just hang on for a minute and listen to a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Mary Ellen Barrett. I spent many years traveling around the country speaking to Catholic homeschooling families, encouraging them and helping them make the right curriculum choices for their family. One of the hardest things to hear is that parents want very much to enroll their children in Seton Home Study School, but are unable to for financial reasons. At Seton, we realize this can be a heartbreak for parents who want a solid Catholic education for their children, and we strive to keep our fees as low as possible. However, some families need a little extra help. If you can find it in your heart to help one of these families, please go to seatonhome.org and click on the donations tab at the top of the page and give what you can. 100% of the money you give goes to a homeschooling family who is in need of financial assistance. 
No one should be prevented from giving their child a Catholic education because of financial difficulties. So we ask that you give us a hand in helping those families at seatonhome.org on the donations tab. Thank you, and God bless you. All right. Thank you to our sponsor. Welcome back. We are talking about getting your ducks in a row. And are we on number three or number four? Number four. Our first three were to pick your curriculum. Number two was order your curriculum before August. And then we advise people the third duck in a row was, you know, think about where you're going to be homeschooling, the physical place that you're going to be homeschooling or physical places that you're going to be homeschooling. Have a plan for that. Right. But now the fourth one is kind of also on that same idea. You need a plan for your school day. Right. You have to have a vision of what kind of rhythm you're going to have to your day. I always called it rhythm because you can't fix anything in stone when your kids are real little because, you know, the baby might get sick or have a big diaper or something like that. But I like you have to have a vision of what how this is going to work for you every day. You do. And the thing is, what I found is if you had that sort of set schedule. I was a big believer in set schedules. Things went wrong all the time. Yeah. Kid fell yeah. down, had to go for stitches, this, that. But then you knew what you were going back to. Right. Yeah. You knew where to pick up. You know where to pick up. You know, so you you're not just in some sort of hazy, <laughs> hazy fog all the time. But things, you know, and and you can when you think about how you want to plan your school day, think about your life right now. So right. if you're hoping to get pregnant this fall, <laughs> and you know you throw up three times every morning. <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah, put that in your plan. Put yeah. that in your plan here. You know, I'm I'm hoping I'm going to get pregnant again. I really want to have another baby. And so we're going to maybe be more afternoon heavy as opposed to morning heavy. Yeah. It's and that's okay. Those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't have to follow the traditional, you know, eight to three or or doing all the hard work in the morning. You have to plan it the way you have your life now, like Jenny said. And it's it. It makes your life so much easier when you're focused on what you have to deal with today, this year, this this month, rather than um, what other people are doing. Don't look at what other people are doing. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because, well, the other thing is you can't even look at what you do. So, Mm. for example, and Mary Ellen can speak to this, and actually I can too. I never had twins. She did. But uh, I have had a daughter that was five months old when I adopted a two-week-old. So it was so pretty, pretty much, much twins. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of joke about it. I had a really good friend at the time. And about a, a year after I adopted the baby, she went upstairs to my house. I made some curtains, sewed some curtains, and I was showing them to her. She said, oh, no, I realized I've never been in your upstairs before. And I thought, I, said, I had two kids. <laughs> was, I didn't make a bed for a year. <laughs> I didn't. A good day was getting dinner on the table, quite frankly. Yeah. And there's going to be years where that's it. Yeah. Right. And you have to say, this is not going to be the year when I'm going to do all those bright and shiny homeschool things that you read about on Pinterest. Yeah. No, you have to you have to realize that there's going to be years where you're just kind of in survival mode. And that's if you have 12 kids or if you have two kids. I mean, there are just going to be years where you can Absolutely. only get the bare minimum done. And that's fine because this is a lifelong process. I mean, this is not this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Uh, you're <laughs> going to be in this for a while. So don't worry about it. But survival mode is a, an actual thing. And it's OK to plan for that. Yeah, absolutely. If if you know, look, you I we hear all the time on uh, Facebook and other social media. You know, I've been homeschooling, but now my mother in law has dementia and she's coming to live with us. That's going to change things. Yeah, absolutely. it just is. Now, on one hand, 
while your homeschooling may not go quite as well that year while you're taking care of grandma, on the other hand, really our primary focus as Catholic homeschoolers should be to see see the face of Christ in everyone we deal with. Yeah. And helping to care for grandma in her last days or when she needs it or yeah. What a wonderful gift to give your kids. Oh yeah. You're living the corporal works of mercy, which is um so important. You're really you're living Christ's mission for us. You're living the gospel. So never discount those kinds of things. Never even oh. even if you're sick and pregnant and the kids are helping you and taking care of you. That's it's life and it's living the gospel. And and what a, a great blessing for them. Yeah. What a wonderful blessing for them. Absolutely. But so but taking all that into account, taking what you think will be life circumstances next year. Think about how you're going to start your school day. Mm-hmm. And that's going to differ, but I mean, I think we should all start with prayers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We uh, always do. Always do. Uh, Pledge of Allegiance around July 4th. So this, if, you, if this drops before <laughs> July 4th, buy a couple of those flags that you can get. Everybody, all the stores sell them around July 4th. Get some flags. Let the little guy hold the flag. They love it. Yeah. It's cute, too. <laughs> it's it nice. is cute. <laughs> it's really cute. Let the little guy hold the flag. Teach every. And it's a wonderful thing to teach kids to put their hands on their hearts. And say the Pledge of Allegiance. I know you don't see people do that as much anymore. Um, I'm just grateful when they're standing up. But yeah, right. <laughs> just the hand on the heart thing is. Um, I have a couple of scouts, so they do the the scout salute whenever they right. hear the pledge, which I think is beautiful. Um, well, my son went to a military school, and they all would, well, he and his friends would always stand up and and give a salute when. They, yeah, I love it. it is. It's <laughs> wonderful. It's wonderful to instill that kind of civic and patriotic pride in your children, and and having them stand appropriately and. The form matters. You know, as Catholics, we know form matters. So it does. Um, so some of you might want to, uh, I know several moms who will just read a little bit about the saint of the day. Yeah. Doesn't have like to be an hour, too. just like two paragraphs about today's saint or the, or could be the saint of the month. We we remember in June, for example, the Sacred Heart of Jesus and St. Margaret Mary Alico. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you could read a little bit about her every day or read a prayer that she wrote, uh, something like that. Some of you will go to morning mass, right? And we used to push that a lot more years ago, and then we realized we were really frustrating some moms. And it was never that big a deal for me because I lived in a town that was twelve blocks by twenty four blocks, right outside of the city of Chicago. It was very urban, right? And there were four Catholic churches in that twelve by twenty four. Yeah, blocks. so you could get there. I if I hit the lights right, I can get to my parish church in ninety seconds. Right. Yeah literally 90 seconds. Uh, if I don't hit the lights, it's five minutes. But if you're driving a half hour. Where I live now, church, it's half an hour. For me to go yeah, to mass, it's half an hour. That might be too hard to pull off. So maybe you just do it on Friday if you really feel called to do it. But it's okay if you don't. You it's know, a wonderful so, blessing. It is. Uh, maybe first, is. if you can't do every Friday, first Fridays. Yeah, I mean, that's... Sacred Heart. There's a tremendous blessings associated with... Yeah, it's a beautiful devotion. First Friday. It's a beautiful devotion. Look it up if you're not familiar with it. So those are the types of things that you might want to work out. But like I said, morning mass is something, if you can do it, what we had for a while. So again, I lived in an urban area. There was a hospital about five blocks from our house. And for a while, an African priest, I presume they they were paying him some sort of stipend to say mass every day. So he said an 11 o'clock mass. In the hospital, like the in chapel? The hospital, in the hospital ah. chapel. It was a Catholic hospital and That's there was cool. a chapel in it. So it was an 11 o'clock mass and it was almost perfect. We started at eight o'clock in the morning. We were ready to take a break at 11. That's great. I mean, you know, we, 
we'd walk. So it was like a nice get outside and get a little fresh air in your lungs. Yeah, that's that's so clever. And it's something to think about. You don't necessarily have to go to mass in a church. So if a hospital has a chapel or a Absolutely. nursing home has a chapel or, you know, something like that, it might be worth thinking out. At the high school, you can call over and say, listen, do you guys have mass there? Sometimes yeah. just the, the priest said, well, we don't have a student mass. Well, do you have a mass? Can I come? Can I bring my kids? Right. Yeah. Uh, we used to have a Dominican uh, priory near us. I take the, they had a mass at five o'clock. Catholic colleges often have mass. Right. Yes, that's true. That's true. And, and they're happy to see little kids. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody's going to say no to a bunch of little kids coming to mass, really. So yeah, yeah no, they love it. That's really um, that's really a good point, Jenny. Um, you can think a little bit outside of the box if you really feel called to do daily mass. It's smart. Okay. So then now as we're planning out our school day, we've started it. We have a schedule, God willing. Um, but if you have babies and toddlers, do not think that they're not going to disrupt you. Yeah. Do not live in some sort of haze where they're going to be so interested in every little toy they're playing with. <laughs> you but they just you're setting all. yourself up for disaster if you think that. It'll just be wonderful. They'll be so engaged. No, they're not going to be there. They might be engaged <laughs> for a while. And that'll be true. But what I what I found very often was that they would play for an hour or so. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but then after that, they're just be, they're throwing the Legos at your head or something. I mean, they're just being... No, they just lose interest. They don't have an attention span. So you might be able to engage them here and there. But um, they're not going to sit while you do school for four hours. Right. And so, they're not going to behave and be quiet and, you know, off to the side. They're just not. So think about how you would work that out. I did a couple of things. One of them was, I used to call it revolving kids. Mm-hmm. During yeah. that hour when they're being relatively good, I would work with the kindergartner and first grader. And sometimes kindergarten, they're done in an hour. Oh, yeah. Kindergarten should be quick. Yeah, it, should it go really back. should be quick. But then I say, okay, you go in and play with the kids now, you know, and then that would maybe keep them quiet for another half hour. Then the first grader was finished. <laughs> so I'd say, okay, you can go in, you know, and sometimes if like the first grader wasn't finished, I would send him in to play or her in to play with the other kids. And then when the fourth grader finished math or English, I'd say, you know what, send your brother in. I want him to finish up his English and you play with the kids for a while. Right. So I played I played revolving kids, I used to call it. Yeah. Uh, where I would sort of send older kids in and out to keep them busy and occupied. And, and it worked yeah. pretty well. It does, because they appreciate the break, the older kids, when, they, when they're helping. Oh, I finished this. Now I can just go play with my little brother and sister. Right. They like the break, too. And it, it teaches them how to serve their family which is another great lesson. So yep. helping mom is helping God, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you're setting yourself up on a platform. Right? Uh, <laughs> what my daughter-in-law did though, which so my son and daughter-in-law lived with us. We have this huge house for, uh, they lived with us for about 10 years. And it was kind of a wealthy neighborhood, which is why it was nice to have two working men supporting us there. <laughs> and uh, what she did in that neighborhood, there were a lot of nannies. And very often the nanny is watching one kid because the other kids are in school now. So they have one little toddler and I'm sure the nannies were double dipping. And I don't know if the people who hired them liked it, but she would pay them to take her toddlers to the park with her own charge. Right. Yeah. And there is nothing, there is no failure in that. I had, um, after, after my oldest son passed away, my, one of my friends who did uh, daycare in the home took my twins for a year. She just took them for two mornings a week just to help me out. You know, right. it was like part of her gift to me. And, um, but I kept it up for a couple of years after that because it just, it gave me time to focus on the older kids and getting all those harder subjects done. And it was just nice. And there, there's no failure in getting help. Not you at know? all. There, you, my, if you need one help, of my daughters help. was a, one of my daughters was a, um, 
a mother's helper to a homeschool family. Which is a great idea. So after lunch, she would go over and give that mom a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. I don't remember now. It's been a long time. But that allowed her to run out and run her errands or finish up her homeschooling or whatever it was. So definitely, you know, as you say, there is nothing wrong with getting help. Yeah. So I encourage you, if you can afford it, if you can figure it out, get as much help as you possibly can, because this is a hard thing to do. And you don't, you don't need, there's no virtue in making your life harder. (laughs) If you can get help, get help. (laughs) Get help. If if your husband says, gee, honey, you know, can I drop the laundry off at a fluff and fold place? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Can can I bring home a pizza? Absolutely. (laughs) Whatever. Say yes to Whatever help you can get, because it's going to be tough. And then Think about how you can eliminate distractions um, as you're planning your school day. Like put your phone on silence. Tell all your friends, look, I don't take phone calls in the morning or I don't take phone calls until two o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, My husband, we actually had a thing in those days, kind of before cell phones and messaging. uh, He, if he really needed to get a hold of me, he would ring twice, hang up and then ring again. Right. If it were important. Yeah. I really have to talk to you. Even if you keep your phone, like if you need to see if you're getting a text from your husband, but just maybe take Facebook off your phone, you know, or, you know, take the, anything you feel like is a real distraction to you. If you pick up your phone and you're instantly sucked into Instagram, well, delete it off your phone. Yeah, you know, that's and, a really and good only, point. Yeah, only look at it on your laptop when, when you're all done. Um, eliminate those distractions. It can be a little mortification for you, too. Um, to do that. It's it's very easy to be distracted. And as I get older, it's easier. I'm getting dippier as I get older. <laughs> get dippier as you get older. No question. It's very easy. But, oh, look, a bird. <laughs> there I am. <laughs> but you know, if your mother-in-law has this habit of stopping by during school hours, yeah, uh, you know, you to. can, cer- well, you could certainly say, gee, do you want to take the little kids out in the yard and play with them? Yeah. But yeah. I have to homeschool, you. but I have to homeschool. So this is nothing insulting. I certainly don't, you know, I don't want to cut you off from your grandchildren. I love them. I love you. But this is what we do in our house. And people tend to, at times, think of homeschooling as sort of like a little optional extra. Right. Like you wouldn't drop in your lawyer's office like that. (laughs) You wouldn't just say, hey, I'm here. I was in the neighborhood. Let's chat. No, it's it's a job. Homeschooling is a job. It's a full-time job. And people, I had one friend who was a lovely person, but she kind of would drop her kid off. <laughs> well, you were home all day, right? You were just goofing around. I was home all day. You know, that was the attitude sort of like, well, she's home. You know, or, or you know, can you, or can you do this for us? And no, I can't. No. <laughs> right. Yeah. Treat it like the job it is and have respect for that, that position that you have in life. And other people will eventually catch on that you consider yeah. it a job. So, you know, treat yourself with that same respect that you would give anybody else who's doing something professional all day long. You know, you deserve it. You're doing something. Because it something. is our job. It might yeah. be unpaid, but it is, it, is def- it is definitely our job. So anyhow, those are our four ducks in a row. And then the fifth one, and finally, is keep in mind that these are our homes. They are not brick and mortar schools. Right. You're not imitating a school. You're It's homeschool. It's different. You know, and if you think about it, if you were a teacher in a classroom, Somebody provided the curriculum for you. It was there in the classroom when you showed up. All those books were there. You might have had to study them, but they were all there for you. And you walked into a clean classroom because the janitor came in last night and emptied all the trashes. And right, yeah. Left and mopped the floors and all that sort of stuff. And uh, if a kid gets sick in your teacher classroom, you can send them down to the nurse's office and the nurse will call their parents and come and pick them up. Right, yeah, you don't That's, see them again. <laughs> you don't see them again. That's a classroom. We're not a classroom. 
We don't have, our, our house can be very, very messy at times. Yeah. And that's fine. It'll get cleaned up eventually. It will. Yeah. Well, I, my joke used to be to the kids, listen, little elves aren't going to come in the middle of the night and do it. So yeah. it'll be there waiting for you tomorrow morning. Yeah. Don't, don't stress about that kind of thing. And I kind of like to tidy up the kitchen before I go to sleep at night. Um, now I don't always do it. My kids will do it. They'll, if yeah. they, if they come out there and see the stuff on the counter or whatever they do, because they're adults too, but I mean, they've right. been trained. Right. So they do all of these things. Um, but there were years when this was like hot mess central. <laughs> it just yeah. was. And, and I was exhausted and, and it was just hard. And my husband was very sympathetic to that and very helpful to that. But it's just the way it is. It's your house. It's your it living and there. Very often our husbands, I used to get frustrated with mine sometimes. Like, why isn't he helping me here? But well, maybe because he was working two jobs. Yeah, they're so exhausted too. Home. Everybody's tired. <laughs> Everybody is tired. Everybody's tired. Everybody's working hard. Um, so take all the help you can get, but understand the fact that if you don't have money for cleaning lady, if you don't have money to drop your laundry off, uh, you know, if you don't have help in the neighborhood, so what? Yeah. So what? Your kids aren't going to, re your kids will remember for the rest of their lives, the values that you gave them in your homeschool. Right. And the they're not going to really remember that there were dishes in the sink. They're they are really not. not. They are not going to remember a uh, sticky kitchen floor. They are not going to remember dust bunnies under the couch. They're going to remember that you love them. They're going to remember all the good times they had with their siblings. They're going to remember the books you read to them and the songs you sang with them and the values you instilled in them. And that that is what you're doing here. That's really a, yeah. yeah. Your your dirty kitchen is not going to keep you out of heaven. It's not, I promise. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very confident in saying that. <laughs> yeah, nobody, nobody cares. So, and the other thing I think that has definitely happened in, and we've we've done podcasts about home management, because we look at stuff on Pinterest or on the, uh, the catalog that comes to the house with the bed that has 15 pillows on it, you know, and a little tea set at the bottom of the bed, <laughs> that we've sort of set this, this idea that not only should our home be nice, but it should be stunning. Right. It should be magazine perfect all the time. It should be, if people now, I, if you don't have a his and her sink in the, in the en suite bath. Oh my gosh. People <laughs> like, they feel like you're using an outhouse. <laughs> and it's so funny to me. Like when you see those shows and they're like, oh, we can't be in the bathroom together. I don't want anybody in the bathroom with me. That's right. one place in the house I could be alone. <laughs> Actually, never we never had that. a bath. We never had a master bath or an ensuite. Excuse me. We never had one. And you know what? It was fine. We survived. Yeah, you 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 did okay. It was okay. <laughs> so, but anyhow, so don't worry about this stuff. It's okay. The, the much more important thing, and it's okay if you don't have your makeup on. It's okay if you don't get your hair done every day. It's okay if you put your hair in a ponytail and you, and you're wearing sweats. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it really is. You're going to go through those survival modes. The house is going to be a mess, but it's okay. It will eventually get better. I, speaking as somebody who now has, you know, mostly adults and and I have two going into their senior year and one going into his freshman year, um, it's it's easier. It really is oh, easier. It gets way easier. So, I tell people that all, even if you, well, your situation, you really have a bunch of adult kids or teen kids. Yeah, I do. Yeah. But I tell people sometimes, I'll, I used to talk to moms at, at conferences and they had five kids under the age of eight. Oh, God bless them. And they're it's ready to like, shoot themselves, you know? Yeah. And I said, listen, you don't know how much easier your life is going to be in two years when you have a 10-year-old. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You even pick that. pick the baby up and change a diaper. Yeah. Even that just makes... I, I swear to you, Jenny, it was so much easier. My twins were my sixth and seventh. I had eight. Um, 
I had so much easier of a time with seven kids than I did with two. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, we always said three so was much the easier. Yeah, three, three was the hardest. Was the absolute hardest. Uh, but then by the time we had the younger kids, I mean, I had kids that were married. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it does when three is, three is bad. Cause you're going from like man to man to zone defense. Like yeah, right. <laughs> you're outnumbered. Well, they outnumber you. That's what my husband always said. They, they're outnumbering you now. But once, once you kind of get into that mode and, and the older ones, even eight, nine, 10, they can scramble an egg. They can, they can clean up, they can take the trash out. They can play with the Change baby. A diaper. They can pick the baby up. They can put, they can put the baby in, in a stroller and just walk them up and down the sidewalk. Right. They can, they can move a Swiffer around the kitchen floor. Yep. Um, all that kind of stuff. It does get easier. So if you hang on, just hang on, <laughs> it'll be okay. And Ginny and I are here to pray for you and to give you any advice you need. So find us on Facebook. Us. Yeah, find us. You can find, you can find the stay at home schooling mom podcast has its own Facebook page, but you can find us all over Facebook. Uh, and we are happy. We we take we take questions. We're not very important. Yeah. The <laughs> no, podcast hasn't made us all that important. We're happy to take questions. We are. We're easy to find, and we will respond to you. We check it every day. So you know, just let us know. Um, but do know that we pray for you, and that we think you're wonderful, and you're doing a heroic job. Really are doing a heroic job, and we're grateful for you listening. We are. So thank you so much for listening. Again, like and subscribe uh, where you hear us wherever you listen to podcasts and tell your friends about us and God bless you and your families. God bless. And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Seton Home Study School. Seton Home Study School is a nationally accredited, faithfully Catholic, private distant learning school that serves students from pre-K through 12th grade. There are currently 17,000 homeschool students enrolled in Seton Home Study School and many, many more who use their books and materials, including several small Catholic schools. Since 1983, Seton Home Study School has faithfully served the homeschool community in the United States and all over the world. Please check out their website, Seton Home org for more information. And thank you, Seton Home Study School, for sponsoring the podcast, The Stay-at-Home Schooling Moms.